I would think. What's the name of it? St. John's Earthquake? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's up, you guys? Yes, sir. Anybody, anybody there? Nobody. Nobody there and nobody out there. Where is it? I can't everybody? say who that is. Is that Jeanette? Possibly I can't tell from the little icon thing. I think it's Jeanette. It is Jeanette. Hey Jeanette. Hey Jeanette. I couldn't tell because the icon was so small. I think that's Betty. And that's Reagan there. I can't hey, tell. Hey Reagan. Hey Reagan. She got a little hand. See see her waving right there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little hand waving. That's pretty cool. Doo, 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 doo. You know, I know that you guys would say. Hey Betty. You guys have two today. And I know it's weird. But I don't scent I don't feel anything weird. We're at a um a cemetery over off Manchester Road today having lunch. And I never really feel that. Hey Lisa, we're off Manchester actually at St. John's Lutheran, I believe. Mm -hmm. Little private cemetery and ironically right behind uh, the church. It's right <laughs> behind the church. As we pulled up, it was kind of kind of kind of a touching thing really because it was an elderly man that was before a brand new grave uh, up towards the top of the cemetery i'm assuming it was some close relative maybe a wife a spouse maybe it was uh, uh, a sibling or a close friend but it kind of swings into what we're talking about a little bit today um so we're gonna have a couple more minutes and we'll we'll get going it may not be as many on today just because it's i think we're gonna pretty much have we started to do friday is that what we're doing Fridays seem to work out better for us. I don't know if that works out for you guys, but uh, I think Friday works out better for us. So I'm going to get started because it doesn't look like anybody's on anyway. They can watch it when they get home. So, hey, Campbell, Come do on, you man. see me out there? No, Campbell, I don't see you. I saw you this morning, though, weirdo. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Wednesday, we were given an opportunity to uh, to go to a funeral, and sometimes I really enjoy funerals, especially when I know the person's lived a long life. Uh, they know Jesus. Uh, it, to me, it's never uh, obviously. I always feel saddened by the loss of the person, but to me, like when you're at a funeral and and you've uh, the person that is in the casket has lived a long life. You know, they knew Jesus. They served Jesus. Uh, like David said, uh, after he was done, after he had served his generation, he went to be buried with the fathers. So sometimes those kind of funerals, to me, are kind of exciting because they truly are a home going. It's a celebration of a life well lived. It's completely different than what we went to on Wednesday. <clears throat> on Wednesday... Uh, we were asked to come and speak a little bit about our recovery ministry that we have um, because the 24-year-old young man had died from a heroin overdose. And it was really difficult but necessary. The mom had asked us, a good friend of ours, Richard, had asked us to come in and present a little presentation um, about our groups that we have to help people uh, recovering from drugs or alcohol or whatever your thing is. But in particular, this heinous blight to humanity, the opioid addiction. So we went in, but one thing that we noticed was several of the people that were talking beforehand, uh, including the eulogy, were saying things like, you know, um, you like to smoke weed with his friends and 
and however you feel about any of that there wasn't really the mention of the name of Jesus you know and it's really uh, depressing Uh, to me it was a difficult thing but in, in, in spite of all of that, the mom's one request, because she was a believer, she had just given her heart to Jesus a few weeks before and was baptized, praise God, okay? And I think uh, that grace that's afforded to her right now, she was she's going to need in the coming days to get through this, the loss of her son, especially the way that he went out. But through it all, her one request was that just one person, one person would be free from this drug, then it would make his life and the loss of his life uh, matter a little bit. Um, so I was thinking there when we were standing, um, and then I had lunch with a good friend, or I'm sorry, breakfast with a good friend of mine yesterday. We were talking about this account that we're going to talk to you and found in Mark chapter 14. And he really scoped in as we conversated over this one particular line. I was really taken by this. So if you have your Bibles, it's found in Mark 14. And we're going to start at one. And then I'm going to really scope and dial in on one particular uh, verse. And then I'm going to ask you a question. And remember, you know, uh, also before I start, life is in the dash. You know, you see Randy Abbott, born 1964. And then you see a a slash and then you see whatever date that I'm going to go and be with Jesus. Um, It's all about that dash and how you live your life and who you lived your life for. What did you do to serve your generation? Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to boss people around. Uh, and he said, a service not above his master. So we have to do what Jesus did. He served people. He served us. But watch this. This is Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 1. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. How about that? He came to give them life and give it abundant, and here they are trying to kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. So obviously they knew there's something different about this Jesus. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. Some people say that Simon the leper was actually Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' father. Some scholarship would say that. And the reason that... uh, there was all this good stuff happening because we'd seen all the miracles that had happened to Lazarus, that had happened. But while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from a essence of nard. Nard would have been like, uh, it wouldn't have been like uh, brute or something. This was the essence of nard. This would have been the most expensive thing you could possibly get. It would, uh, it would have been the, whatever the best cologne or perfume would be at the time the most expensive the most precious it was everything some say it was imported all the way from india she broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head now the thing about these alabaster jars is once they had a really skinny neck and once you broke it there's no going back you have to empty it all out so she knew and i think it really speaks to she was all in I'm done with the old life, and a lot of, there's a lot of speculation as to why she would have that kind of perfume. I'm not going to get into that. That's not the point of this message. And some people even argue about which Mary this was. But you can't argue with the fact that she took a year's worth of wages and gave her most precious possession and broke it 
for Jesus. And not only that, a lot of these jars, these alabaster things were passed down. They were heirlooms passed down from one generation to another, to another, to another. The picture to me, Barry, it just paints out. I am leaving all of that behind me. I have decided to follow Jesus. It's over. And a lot of you guys have said, uh, <laughs> have stepped out of lesser things and laid it at the foot of Jesus and decided, you know what? I'm done with that old life. It's not who I am anymore. We're going to forge a new way and follow Jesus. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Isn't that funny when you go to do something for Jesus? Why are you always going to recovery groups? Why are you leading this group? Why are you always in the Bible? You know, there's always going to be scoffers that don't understand why you do some of the things that you do. Obviously, they don't understand the things that Jesus did for us. If you understand what Jesus did for you, you'd see that what I'm giving up is a fraction of what he gave up. And really a fraction, not it doesn't even compare to what I have coming. But they just don't get it. Why are you always up at the church? whatever church you go to. Maybe, why are you up at this? Why are you in the band? Why are you preaching? Why are you scrubbing the floors of the church? Because we understand what Christ did for us, and what we're doing is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. We get it. He died for us. He doesn't ask us to die for him. He asks us to live for him. But Jesus replied, now watch this. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want. But you will not always have me. Now watch this. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of the time. Ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. You know what? We're fulfilling prophecy right now, Barry. I was going to say, as of right, right now. Because Jesus said, he told all the big shots, the religious people, you know what? You can say what you want about this woman, but she did what she could. And forever, they're going to be talking about her. Who would have ever known we were going to go on Facebook Live, Barry? Jesus would have known. And we're going to still be discussing this thing right. that this Mary did for her Savior because she loved him. Not out of uh, duty and all of that stuff. She did it because she loved him. And then he said this. She did what she could. The question we have, we need to ask ourselves, are you doing what you can? Am I doing what I can? I, you know, uh, I, I can't preach like Billy Graham. I can't preach like Erwin McManus, Chuck Swindoll, and all these big shots, but I can do what I can, right? So one day when we're here, <laughs> I really hope at my funeral, maybe Barry will do it. How about that? <laughs> You better hear the name of Jesus just all the time. What was he about? He was about Jesus. He was an idiot, but he was about Jesus. He loved the Lord. You know, he left that former life, and he stepped out into a new life, and he followed Jesus. I did what I could. What else could I do? You know, I can't preach like that guy. I can't teach like that guy. And I haven't been called to be a missionary and all that stuff. And you'd say, well, I don't know how to sing, and I'm not a very guitar player. But you know what? Did you do what you could? Because he's not asking you to do what you can't do. He's asking you to do what you can. Some of the very basic things that we do as Christians, we go to church. We serve in the local church. We actually are there. We don't make excuses of why we're not there. Sometimes we have reasons that we can't be there, wherever your church body is. But I serve in my local church. I'm a part of a group. They know me. I know them. That's what you can do. Am I right? That's it. He's not calling you to do some exceptional thing. Mother Teresa said, in this life, we can do no 
extraordinary things, only ordinary things with extraordinary love. He's not asking you to do all kinds of crazy stuff and go save the world. He's asking you to simply do what you can do. And when God's telling you to do something, maybe it's go across the street, talk to a neighbor. Maybe it's to bring a bag of groceries to somebody that can't get I don't know what it is, but there's a billion different things that we can do to show the love of Christ and to show not so much how much God we got, but how much God has us. That's the, that's the issue. We've talked about it at length, about big shots running around trying. That's what the Pharisees did. But their heart was in utter rebellion. We talked about the word submission the other day or submit in group. And, and uh, it was tabled a couple of different ways. That you know what? The Pharisees and people like this that were trying to kill Jesus, they were following all of the rules. They had all the rules down, but their heart was in utter rebellion. They weren't friends of God. In fact, they were trying to kill Jesus. And a lot of times when you step out and do the right thing, the devil in them is going to try to kill the Jesus in you. So my encouragement to you is not to go out and save the whole universe. That's not what you're called to do. Nope. Just do what you can do because there's only one you, Barry. That's right. right? There's seven billion, seven billion yous on the planet. Never thought about that. There's seven <laughs> billion yous on the planet, but there's only one you. Just be you. Don't be anybody else. Just be you that you were created to be. Just like this Mary, that she said, I'm just going to do what I can do. I don't have much, but you know what? I'm all in. I'm That's making it. a choice. I'm all in. You don't you don't go and, and, and give this thing away and then go back to your different group and you become a different person or, or you make excuses for why you can't do what you the very minimum, right? So I'm going to flip this thing. Oh, by the way, Barry's a little sore at me because on his birthday today, I accidentally ate his taco. Come on, man. That's my bad. I didn't know it was his. <laughs> I thought I had two. So wish Barry happy birthday. Hey, guys. Um, I really don't have much to add to that, but I would say if you're not sold out and you haven't made that choice to do it, do it. Get off the fence of being uh, two different people. You know, generally we're the same people everywhere we go, and we sold out a long time ago. And it looks different for everybody because we were talking about that at length this morning too. It's like, when do you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm tired of the old guy. I'm, I'm, I really am going to be sold out for Jesus, and I am going to do what I can do, whatever that may be. You know, Paul writes and says, hey, some of you guys are teachers. Some of you guys are pastors. Some of you guys are, are uh, head of hospitality and all that stuff. Oh, we forgot the seas. Oh, now, oh. I forgot how we had planned to do this, but I'll add this. Um, when you make that choice and you are sold out, that's when the real change in your life happens. So how do you do the change? It's by being consistent, going to your groups, going to church, being around other believers. That, there's a big thing about fellowship around other fellow believers. And when you get away from your fellow believers, the world creeps in at a, at a pretty high speed. It doesn't take long. Or even complacency. It makes you complacent when you get away. Being committed. Ooh. Being committed to this thing. You know, and I think that's a lot of people struggle with commitment. You know, and a lot of times when you ask people something, they're like, oh, well, I don't know. The common thing is, uh, let me pray about it. That means they're really not interested. Most of the time, they'll just try to figure out a way to say it politely. They're not interested. Sounds so spiritual, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. But if you want real change, just you got to be sold out and you got to be consistent. Amen. Amen. That's kind of the simplicity of it all. Love you guys. Bye. Happy birthday yeah. to you. I hope you turned that around. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>